Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Psalm 90 is where we are, and I have been in this psalm for several weeks, and what God has shown me has literally, literally has shook me to my core and had me evaluating every aspect of, of what I'm, why I do what I do in ministry, and, and I, I want to title this, this sermon this morning, A Place for His Presence. A place for his presence. So when you find Psalm 90, if you would, stand with me for the reading of the word of God. Psalm 90 says this. Lord, now let me, let me go up a little bit. In Hebrew, it actually starts a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past. And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. They are like sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all, your day, all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad according to the days which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants, and let your glory to their children, and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let's pray. Father, Lord, this has been a long series of being in your presence, God. And Lord, I pray for this message that, God, that you would give me wisdom and insight of what you want your people to receive from you this morning. God, I pray that you would take over. And Lord, may my mouth be your mouth. And may my heart be your heart that may receive all that you desire for them. God, I pray that your words would so penetrate the depths of our being 
that Lord, that when we stand before you, we can truly say that it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. So Father, I pray a blessing over this place. Cover us with your love and compassion. Forgive us for where we have fallen short, that we may be satisfied by your mercies, as the word of God says. And Lord, we ask God, bless us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, I was, two weeks ago, I was about right in there, in the, this area of the altar, and I was, I was in the presence of the Lord. I was praying and seeking the face of God about the services and about the church and just there. And I can tell you, and I was in Psalm 90 and I had been drawn to this Psalm and much of what I'm getting ready to say came out of that moment where God just literally broke me in my spirit. And I began to just weep before the Lord as I saw something unbelievable of what God was trying to show me in the word of God and just stayed there in his presence so that he could do what he needed to do inside of me. And as I began to to look at this, I realized there's something very, very powerful in this psalm that we read over and it looks like this is very depressing. This is what, why would you read this psalm to the church? I mean, it talks about God's wrath. It talks about our days being short. It talks about all the things that we don't really want to hear about. And yet this is the psalm that Moses prays. Moses is called the man of God. And so I began to, to study this and began to look deep with inside of this and understanding what God was trying to speak to me. And I want to tell you that a Moses is the first person in scripture that is called the man of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, he, 33, he, he's called a man of God. He, he's the first person to be called this. And the, the necessity of understanding that very fact is critical for you to fill, fill in the blanks of what he is praying here at this moment. Because this prayer here is towards the end of his life. This is the end of the moment before he is going up to, to Mount Nebo. He's about ready to stand and watch his, his people go over the crossing to go over Jordan and to take the promised land. And yet he is not permitted to go. He's not permitted to go to that place. He's not able to do this. And, and for many reasons that I'll get to some other day, but for the most part here, he's the man of God, but he prays this prayer over them. He prays this blessing over them and touches them before he releases them. And because he's been through a journey with them, this, this psalm is more of a psalm about somebody that's been with you. You know, you know, when we are, when we have kids and we have family members, you know, I, I learned really quick in the ministry. It is a fool that comes into a family, a pastor that would come into a family and try to take sides in, a, in an argument in the family, somebody's family. You are crazy if you want to do that. If you're all fighting amongst yourself out there in your family, don't come to me and ask me for help because I ain't going to help you. I'll just tell you, I'll pray for you. I'll pray that God's peace be upon your family and that somehow God will help you out. I ain't going to take a side. 
Because you know what? I say, because you know, I probably might have an opinion who I think is right, but here's what's going to happen. I express to you my opinion who I think is right, and then 10 minutes later, you're mad at me because even though I might have sided with you, that I hurt your, your sister's feelings because I said my opinion. And now you all turned on me, and now when you were fighting amongst each other, now you've turned to me and said, let's just get him and kill him. We all feel better about that. It's the truth. It happens on a regular basis. Why? Because blood's thicker than water, we say. So a pastor is foolish if he would step into a family argument and wants to get involved in that because I want nothing to do with it. I will pray for you and try to help you as much as I possibly can, but I will not take a side in your personal argument because here's the thing. Because, you know, you can have your... I have a family member. I have family members that they have done some things that I don't even want to talk about what they have done in a public forum and they, I still will hug them and love them and tell them I love I love them. And, and, and you know what? If you start talking about them, I'm going to get mad at you for talking about my family. They're bringing up their their past, their their junk in their life. You know, you with me? This psalm is a, a psalm of Moses who who has been with the people of God, and so he is. He's not somebody that's on the outside. He is one of them. And so he is talking about all of the, of the sin that they have gone through. But, but in, in this particular case, he is speaking of, uh, of one in particular sin, that sin of the golden calf. Now, I, I don't have the time to develop that thought. It's just that the Hebrew that is, he's using here in this particular passage, it, there are so many clues that points us back to that moment of when the people of Israel had sinned against God in a great way. And I want to show you this morning the significance of that sin and how it literally destroyed what God was going to do through those people. You see, sin is not, is not something to be taken lightly. It is not something to play games with. It is not something to, to, uh, to overlook and forget about. Sin is something that in the presence of the Lord is infinite. Hear me. If you, if you go down to the store and you decide that this day you're going to steal a bottle of water, you're thirsty, and so you walk into the store and you grab a bottle of water, you may never remember that you did that. But God will never forget that you did. That's just bad news right there. Because sin in the presence of God, because why? God is number one. He's eternal. He's eternal. And he always, he, because he's eternal, it, we can't compete with that. What Moses is saying here. And he's, he's looking at this, he's looking at the, 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 the people of Israel. And he says, and he says in verse 4 of Psalm 90, he says, For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They, like, they are like sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it cut down, it cut down and withers. He's, 
Moses is telling them, he's saying, we, our sin, all of our, our sin, it, it is, it, you, God, you are eternal. You are, you are, we exist. The first, first verse, first and second verse speak about this. We have our existence in you. Everything, all that we are exists because of you. He says in verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, you had formed the earth and the world from even from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You have been around for a long, long time. And the problem is, God, that we can't compete against that because we grow up one morning and by the evening we're cut down. And so your wrath against us, oh God, your, your anger against us is too overwhelming. It will consume us, God. He says, verse 9, well, let me go more. Verse 7, for we are consumed by your anger and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance, simply saying that it's not even matter about going out and stealing a bottle of water. There are things in your heart that you have never even mentioned. The secret things of your soul, of your body, of your mind, all these things that God sees, they are illuminated in the very presence of God. And we can't compete against that. Our secret sins and a lie to your countenance for all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. We start at the beginning and we go to the end and we look at it and we say, God, it's been nothing but trial and struggle this entire time. The wrath of God is against us because of the sin that is, that is ever present before you. It never escaped your sight. How are we going to do this, God? How are we going to, how are we going to get rid of this thing? How are we going to get rid of this sin? How are we going to do what you want us and called us to do? And so I want to go deeper with you this morning. Y'all with me today? I'm trying to, trying not to plunge the depths of Hebrew and try to make and lose you on my way down tunneling in because I enjoyed it, but doesn't mean you will. So I want to make sure y'all following along. And I don't want you lying either because if you say, if you don't say amen, I'll tell, I'll start over and maybe re- restate something. We don't want to lie in the house of God. Exodus chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, flip over to there. Let me tell you what has just taken place. The people of Israel have come over, come through the, the Red Sea. They have crossed over from destruction to deliverance. And God has, they have, they're singing a song in this moment. And I, I want to, I don't have time to de- develop this completely, but th- this is a prophetic moment for this land. This is what God is telling them they're going to do. In Exodus chapter 15, verse 17, the Bible tells us that you will bring them and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. This is before Sinai. This is before the Ten Commandments. This is before they've ever gotten any of the law. Moses is singing this song. They are all there. They've just come through the Red Sea. And now they are hearing the voice of the Lord. They're saying, for you have made, the key phrase there, you have made for your own dwelling the sanctuary. And we miss this. We miss this because 
we, we want to read through it because we know the history. We know what happened. We know, you know, that the people of Israel made the sanctuary. We know the people of Israel made all these things. We, we, we see this, so we keep going. But, but Moses doesn't say that. He says, you made it, God. Did you see this? This is a prophetic moment. He says, your own dwelling, your own hands have established. You did, you're doing this, you're bringing in us. What they were fully expecting was that when they were crossed over into their promised land, when they got to Mount Moriah and they were going to worship God, the temple of God would be there, established by the hands of God. But something changed. And it was the golden calf that did it. You see what goes on here. Verse 18 tells us the Lord shall reign forever and ever. You see, let's, let's move a little bit further into the text. So now they're moving up. They're coming up from uh, the Red Sea crossing. They're going over to Mount Sinai to meet with God. God is coming down on top of the mountain in powerful statement, as powerful showings of the mightiness of God. They are literally ready to just meet in the presence of the Lord, and God was going to do mighty things. And then verse uh, chapter 19, if you skip over in your Bible, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself who did it God did it it was God that brought them out of bondage it was God that brought them out of slavery it was God that sent those plagues it was God that changed the situation where they should have been consumed and absorbed into the into the people of Egypt and yet God brought them out all by himself it was the Lord who had delivered them and brought them to the mountain and brought them by himself no one else got the credit God does so he, he says in verse 5, Now therefore, because God's the one who brought you out, now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. See what he's doing here. He's saying, I brought you out. I got you out of here. I'm going to make a dwelling for you. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a dwelling place. This is going to be, this is going to be the most wondrous, glorious thing. You didn't lift up a sword. You didn't fight your way out of Egypt. You didn't, your battle was not anything you did. It was the hand of my God that took you out of all those things. Everything that you have is because I did it for you. And because of that, you're my people, my special people, who I love, who I called out, who I set before, and I've shown the world who you are. And the purpose of Jewish, Jewish people at this moment has been established if they would not have sinned. The purpose of it was that they would be the representation of God in this world and all the nations would be blessed because they were serving God. This is the promise of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. This is the purpose of what we see over and over and over again where they, where they consistently, God was going to do something through them and yet they slam smack into sin. 
The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 20. Let me, well, let me go back one more before I get there. Exodus 19 verse, verse 6. And you shall be, a, be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. This is what God is telling Moses. And then skip over to Exodus 20, verse 18. Exodus 20 is the passage where they receive the Ten Commandments. But I want you to hear something. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood far, afar off. What happened? The presence of the Lord showed up. And they got afraid. The presence of the Lord entered. And they they looked at the presence of God and they saw, whoa. This is, this is not something, God is not someone to be trifled with. God is not something to, not somebody you play games with. And they stood back and they saw the lightning and they saw the thundering and they saw the fire and they saw all the things and they said, okay, that's good. You have fun. I'm going to stay right here. I, I'm not real sure about all this. I'm not real sure about the presence. And so, They told Moses, they said, Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And in this moment, the man of God was born. Because in what what I'm getting at, if you read my blog post this week, and I'm going to give you the story before I type it out for those that that were reading the other part of it. In this moment, the, what, what, the birth of the man of God that I told you in Psalm 90, he was Moses' man of God. He's the first one called man of God. What is it? It is somebody that is standing between God and the people. And the purpose of the man of God or a woman of God is to initiate the presence of God in their lives. Not somebody that's going to be their redeemer and not somebody that's going to be their go-between, but somebody that's going to help them come to grips with the presence of God that needs to be in your life. I want to tell you what God broke me over was that church is not about programs and it's not about our situations and all these things we create. Church is about getting in the presence of God. It's about being in the place where God's presence saturates us. The glory of God fills the place of of the house that we are worshiping in. Because listen, there are many other clubs you can join out there that can do many good things in the community that will do lots of things to help this area and this community. But I'm telling you, I want this place to be a place where the presence of God fills the house, fills the place of God, fills the area where people are desperate to come to knowing that it's not about a club. It's about getting in God's house the presence a man of God is somebody that brings the presence of God 
Not somebody that comes up with some kind of cute idea to get people to come to church. We count you. Well, I tell you, we take attendance. You know why? Because the people over me and the Lord want to know how many people are here. But that's not going to be a a rate of success for me. The rate of success for me is not how many people are here, but how close did we get to God today? If two or three are here and God fills this place where we can't even walk around because the glory of God so has filled this house, That has been a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Because that's where the blind eyes opened up. That's where freedom takes place. That's where chains break off. That's where the the deliverance comes into your life. That's where those things that you've been praying about and holding to are suddenly given to you because you made it to the presence of God. You made it to the house of God. You made it to the place where God met you and you brought yourself to him and he brought himself down to you. The presence of God is the purpose of why we are here. But the sad thing is, they trembled and stood far away. The the issue that we run into all the time, people don't want to be in His presence because it's frightening. It's frightening. Why? Because it exposes us. Tells us The things that we don't want to talk about. You know, I, uh, there, there are days I look in the mirror. I'm starting to see these little lines right here on the side of my eyes. So if I stop smiling, just kidding. There are things that we try to cover up. We try to, you know, rather than lose weight, we just buy bigger clothes. Better way to go, in my opinion. There are things that we try to cover up. We try to do certain things to put on a mask, so to speak, to let everybody know everything's everything's okay. But inside, the secret things of our heart are always before His presence. Oh, it's. And then we, we get into a place and we get into the house of God. And then the preacher's hair gets on fire. Music. Brother starts singing that song one more time. Either you, and it comes a point where you have to do one of two things. You either jump in and join us or you run out the back door. And that's usually what happens. People, they either want to be in it. Or they run from it. They stand afar off. And he says this. Why? Because there was something you don't have anybody. And listen, there's nothing wrong with fear. There are some teenagers need to get a little good dose of fear. You know, it's important. That part of their brain of fear hasn't totally formed yet. And uh, when they figure out one day, it's about 25, 26, that they can die, in car insurance goes down. It does. Selective service no longer has you have to be involved in it. Because what they figured out, you know what? This life is short. I'm 26 years old. All of a sudden, all right, let's go on. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing. 
But at the same, see what these people recognize is that the presence of God was so permeating the area in that place that they realized that what was keeping them from wanting to be there was the fact that their sins were not covered and so that they were they they were in a place of if god would speak to me i'm going to die i'm going to literally i'm going to die and i want to tell you the same still happens right now and you're going to miss this if you don't listen very carefully to what i'm saying if you want to jump in with the preacher when his hair is on fire or, or or the the singers or whatever and you want to do that i got to tell you something the death has got to occur and the death that has to occur is yourself. You've got to let go and put yourself on the cross. And you've got to say, this is, it isn't about me. And it's not about my situation. I've got to let God be God in my life. And a death happens. And it takes place. So that you are in literally in a position where God can use you. Because you cannot stand before God and try to have your own agenda. But here's the problem. Let's move on. I'm going quickly. Exodus 24, verse 9. If you flip over there, the Bible says, Then Moses went up also. Okay, he's got the Ten Commandments. God is up there again. And so he's come down. We're talking to people. And listen who went with him this time. I feel in their oats here, so to speak. Also, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. And it was like the very heavens in its clarity. But notice what it says in verse 11. Because God knows what's coming. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and drank. They completely, they saw the presence, but they did not enter into the presence. And shortly thereafter, Moses is beckoned to be further up the, ha- the, up the side of the mountain. And as he gets up the side of the mountain, Joshua goes with him halfway. But Moses is standing there in the presence of God. And they're having a chat. And, and then it all breaks loose. Because what the, what the Bible tells us is the most horrific thing that could have happened, happens. In the very presence of God, they create an idol. The golden calf. In the very presence of God. And look, if you have your Bibles, look at Exodus 32. Now, it's not going to be up here on the screen because I only gave her verse 11. But verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down, that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that, that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man whom brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has come become of him. And then Aaron 
And all of them create this golden calf and they begin to worship it. And even Aaron, when he saw it, builds an altar in verse 5 and makes made a, comprom- a, a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they called the idol the Lord, Yahweh. They called him, they called Jehovah, this idol, this calf, this golden calf and the very I mean this takes some gumption y'all the the presence of God is on the mountain Moses is up there they have the people of God down here and they are building a calf and down at the base of the idol idol and they see the presence up there and they call this thing that right there and God basically says Verse 7, and the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people who you, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, that have brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people and indeed it is a stiff-necked people and therefore me, let me alone, let by wrath may burn hot against them I may consume them and I will make of you a great nation he basically said and he literally says Moses they're dead to me I'm going to make you a nation and notice verse 11 the only time this happens in scripture you read it and you go through it and you miss it because you don't see it but the bible says then moses pleaded with the lord his god now notice the word his god it wasn't anybody else's god right now but moses's god the lord was there and Moses was there and Moses pleaded with the Lord his God he was the only one standing between Israel and God Lord he, Lord don't allow this to take place Lord why why God why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of this land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand you see God had just said Moses you brought them out and Moses says God hold on hold on you brought them out Y'all with me? Remember, don't be lying. You, you, he says, God, he basically, God has cut them off. This moment, they're dead to him. He doesn't want anything to do with them. He's done with them. He says, Moses, get up, go away because I'm going to go down and they're all dead. When I get to the base of this mountain, every single one of them will be dead, and I'm going to take you, and I'm going to I'm going to deliver deliver you, and I'm going to have all this and give it to you. And the man of God says, "No, God, don't, don't do this thing, don't do this thing, don't do this thing." And it goes on, and he goes further in, and I don't have time to develop this, but he goes further into the 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 conversation and ultimately God relents of his wrath and they literally the punishment comes down this is the calling of the Levite tribe they stand between they stand up and they stand for God and everything changed in that moment and now you go back up and they get a new set of tablets a new set of laws everything has changed because they sinned Everything changes. God does not take sin lightly. In 2 Corinthians 
all the way. And I'm going to tie this together with Psalm 90. He says, O Corinthians, Paul speaks. We have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children. You also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part of the believer with the unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people therefore come out from among them and be separate says the Lord and do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord almighty what is he saying here? What is, what is transitioning here? Exodus 15. God was going to build the temple. God was going to do it by his own hand. And now we find the great sin of the golden calf has happened. And now everything is altered because of their sin. And now look at what, what, what Psalm, back to Psalm 90 one more time. The Bible tells us, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all of our generations before the mountains were brought forth. Or you have ever formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, this is key, verse 3, return, O children of man. God is calling us, return, return. And Moses says, God, with our sin is so great. It's in front of you all of our lives. It's in front of you. We can't ever escape it. It's, it's, it's always there. And so now what Moses says at the very end is verse 13. He says, not, he tells the uh, man, he, God tells us in verse 3 to return. But God speaks through Moses in verse 13. He says, return, oh Lord. God, we can't do this. We are in slavery. We are bound. The sin has so be easily beset us. It has chained us, God. We cannot escape it. We are unable to break free from it. God, we can't do this. You've got to do it yourself. Return, O oh Lord. And God comes down, the Bible tells us, and born of a virgin on that moment where Jesus invaded this world and he returned to this place. He came and began to walk amongst us. And the Bible tells us that we beheld his glory as the glory is the only begotten of the Father. And we saw Jesus dead and but crucified and buried and rose again. And now he broke the bondage into chain and all the things that have pulled us down all of our sin and all of our destruction has been born on the back of our savior jesus christ and now he is making his temple with everybody that will whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved and the temple that he promised is in this room right now i had to go a long way to get you there here's you got you got to recognize 
This is why Paul was so adamant. He's saying, you don't, don't, don't mix light with dark. Don't, don't be part of the expression of darkness. Why? Because you are the temple of God and he is the one that delivered you. He's the one by his mighty right hand is the one that has set you free. For, and now when we are in his church and we come here and we spend time in the house of God, the presence of God descends. The Shekinah glory still comes to the place where the temple is, where Jesus said where two or three are gathered in my name the presence of God will begin to descend and we feel the glory of the Lord as one more time in the house of God and so this is again people will see God's presence they'll see God's anointing and some will go that way but then there will be those that will say everything that I have ever need of all the drugs that are on me and all the wickedness that is in me I know if I can just get to his presence I can be delivered I can be set free and they begin to take a step and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord comes upon them and lifts them out of everything that they've ever been inside of and all of a sudden they recognize they are free by the blood of the Lamb they've been set free, their sins have been made clean by the blood of the Lamb praise God brother Garrett the words that God broke me with I said God my sin It's always, it's always in front of you. My sin, never to leave you. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me as clear as you speaking to me. And he says, but you, and this is not just for me, but it's for all in this room. But you have been washed. You have been washed. My sin, that old song, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to that cross, and I bear it no more. It's gone. My sin, your sin, even though it was infinite, even though it was always before God. The blood of Jesus comes and He picks you up in the house of God where the presence of God is and we say we should die. They should die. They should die. And Jesus grabs them. The Spirit has convicted them if you would just come. He would be free. And Jesus, when he gets to this altar, there may be people around them laying hands, but there's Jesus in the Spirit washing all of it. Washing all of the sin away. That when you walk out of here, you don't have to walk with your sin anymore. That when you leave this room, you bear it no more. It will not be brought to your presence. It will not be brought to his house. It will not be held against you because Jesus washed you, delivered you. So Paul tells us, he is our God. He's going to walk with you. He's going to speak with you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to set you on the high place. He's the one that's going to do all the work. And he's making his temple right now. And he's not done yet. 
there are still people that need to be saved. And he, and let's go to the last verse of, the last verse, verse 17 of Psalm 90. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. What, is we, what are we asking God? God, we built this building. May the glory of the Lord be upon us and establish this place, this work of our hands, establish this place, that this would be the place that people that are sick come to be delivered and healed. That the glory of God would rest here. And then you look at yourself. God, establish this thing here. Sanctify this thing here. Cleanse this thing here. The work that I do to serve you, may it be for your glory. Establish this, God, so that wherever I walk, you don't have to be in this room. You could be out the grocery. You could be down at the beach. You could be in a meeting. You could be at work. You could be wherever you are, and the glory of God would go with you. That you would, that that work that you would walk in, that you, that's why you get up in the morning and pray. That's why you read your Bible. That's why you spend time with God to establish this work so that everywhere you go, God goes. The presence of God is with you. Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.